It is often so easy to fall into the belief that living the gospel is a series of boxes to check, a sort of list of behaviors and requirements meant to measure progress. But the scorecard approach often gets so old and tedious and honestly exhausting. General Young Women's President Emily Bell Freeman challenged that perspective in a recent general conference talk, and she offered some higher ideals. Hi, and welcome to Magnify. We are a podcast that helps keep general conference top of mind without adding to your to-do list. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a big football fan who loves God. And I am so excited to learn and be inspired with you. We know life is busy, and we are here to lighten the load by bringing you weekly spiritual reminders that will leave you feeling a little bit better than before. On the Magnify podcast today is our guest, Kaylin Nelson. Kaylin and I have a shared love of teaching teenagers about the gospel. Kaylin is a bit of a bookworm, a major Swifty, and she just enjoyed her first Christmas with her baby, Louie. Yeah. How was your Christmas, Kaylin? Uh, I, I, we were teary multiple times, honestly. And he's, he's turning one on January 20th, so, so soon. So we've had him a while, but it has not worn off at all. Like none of the newness. I, I honestly like I'm kicking myself that I didn't just put a bow on his forehead and like hand him <laughs> to his dad and say, you're great. And <laughs> Merry this Christmas. is the best thing we ever have done ever, 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 ever. Because it was, I mean, we had like, we gave him little trinkety. What do you give a, what do you give an 11 month old? We gave him little trinkety things and, you know, grandma got him a little bike and it's great, but really some fresh toys. And it was the best. How was yours? I know your son's gone. Yeah, but we got to talk to him, which was so fun. And he was actually cooking breakfast for his whole zone, which oh. about shocked me. He <laughs> Was that he, like, skill you knew he had? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. No. When he FaceTimed and was making French toast, I thought, growth. Like the miracles of a mission right there. Miracles. <laughs> But it was great. It was so fun. Right? He's he's learning new skills all the way around, which is so exciting. Well, Caitlin, I'm so anxious to get into this talk with you today and talk about some of the highlights that Emily Freeman talked about. She encouraged us to find our why on this covenant path that we're all on. And I loved some of her fresh perspective on this relationship. And one thing she really gets into is she talks about the need for a why, like why we do what we do. And and I have especially found, and you've probably found this a lot with teaching teenagers, is that when I was young, you know, I was just kind of handed the gospel. This is what we do. This is this is part of our lives. And I was like, oh, okay, right. And then as I went to hand it off to my children and my students, their question is why. And she says, she says, why so many times in this talk? And I don't know if you noticed that as well, but that's constantly just to your point. It's, I think we looked at it and thought, okay, sure. Why, you know, why not was more like our question. We're like, oh, why not? And we just kind of grabbed the gospel and just kind of like did it. And until we understood why, 
even for me though, and I, I think it's an evolution of time, like where we are in 2023 and not just necessarily a new generation, because I think millennials and Gen Z and, and Gen X are, are all saying, wait, why? And I don't think we've always done a great job of looking and explaining the why. Yeah. And if we're not talking about the why, what are we missing? And I often wonder today, if Joseph Smith were to go into the Grove of Trees, would he still ask the question, which church? Or would he ask why church? Why church at all? Don't you think? Isn't yeah. that the question that so many people sure. are asking? Why? So why do you think that's an important question to ask? Well, so, and that's, why do I need a why? And I think the hardest part about that is that it can't be the same answer for every person. Why do I even need to have one? So she tells this beautiful story of the Jews at the Western Wall. And one thing about me is that I love the Holy Land. It is one of my favorite places on the entire planet. But anyway, she starts with this beautiful story about these, these Jewish women and men going to the Western Wall and worshiping. And she talks about what they wear and that they wear their finest and, and they go and celebrate. And I'm telling you from personal experience, the Western Wall celebration on the Sabbath is one of the coolest experiences ever because the devotion, it was so beautiful. And I think, again, learning from other religions and cultures, but I think we look at ourselves and we say, we have the fullness of the gospel. Like we, sh we, should, we should be better than we are about some of these things. Anyway, so she talks about this experience. She talks about these, these beautiful men and women coming to worship, wearing their finest and seeking this temple that they don't actually have, right? The temple was destroyed like 80, 90 years after Jesus dies. The temple has not been there for nearly 2,000 years. And they go to the Western Wall because it's one of the last exposures of this platform that existed where the temple used to sit on top of. So, I mean, they're like, they're like not only feet removed, but just like so removed. So then I just self-reflect a little. And I'm like, I'm looking at the social media and the friends that I have. And it's like, why am I even wearing garments? Do they even matter? Do covenants matter? I got married in the temple. Great. But like now, does it even matter? Like I've done, I've done the day, I've done the deed. And now do I need that anymore in my life? And, and to just contrast, for her to contrast those two experiences that she's there with these people who don't even have a temple and they're so devoted and want it so bad. And then she contrasts that with coming home and seeing Latter-day Saints who have the fullness say, I don't know why I actually need this anymore. And I think she's just pointing out that maybe there's a gap. There's a gap on the why. Why do I want a covenant relationship? And so I was thinking of two things. One, do we take temples for granted? And this is like totally a shot on myself because I live in American Fork, Utah. There's a temple open house in Orem, Utah. It ended in December and I didn't go. Like, I didn't go to the open house. And I'm not going to ask Catherine, you don't have to confess because I'm sure you did. And you probably went three times, but I, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Kaylin, like, honestly, I was talking to my son on Christmas and I so carefully sent his Christmas package, like with the 12 days of Christmas and something to open every day. And I spent all this time and I was so excited about sending this package and it was so great. And all these little quotes and everything. And, and I just said, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Or, and he just said, mom, I want to go to the temple. I want to go to the temple. And then he looked at me and he's like, have you gone? Have you been to the temple? And I just sat there and thought, Ooh, not in a minute. Uh, okay. 
It was such a wake up call for yeah. me too, that he was like, you better go this week. And I just, I want to apologize to anyone listening who does not live in Utah next to 17 temples. Cause they're listening to this thinking those Utah Mormons, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I, I just think it is so easy to become casual about very beautiful things. And, and I wonder if that's one of president Freeman's points is to say, I don't think that we're consciously doing this, but I think she's saying, why do you want the temple? Why do we want these covenants? Why do they matter? And, and are we becoming a little bit casual about them? And so the second one um, that I wanted to point out is, do I have a personal reason why president Freeman invites us all to consider that question for ourselves? Do I think temple covenants matter? Do I think garments matter? Does the good outweigh the convenience? Because I really honestly wonder if sometimes it's just a matter of convenience why we don't more fully engage in in some of these things. So I don't know. I wanted to ask you this question, Catherine. How do you think we get to this point? Like, how do we get to a point where we're like so giddy to receive our endowment? And then why why do you think we get to a place of casualness? Or how do we get there? That is such a good question for each of us to ask ourselves, because I don't ever think it's on purpose. It's not like I want to disregard my covenants or that I don't think they're valuable. For sure. But do I get involved in good things and somehow put that on the back burner? And for me, that starts with the question, why? I have to answer that question for myself because I can't get giddy about it. And I can't put it as a priority if I don't understand why. For sure. And I think maybe we say like, I need help as a mom or as a teacher or as an employee. And so we say our prayers, you know, or whatever. Like, it's like, oh, I need to say my prayers because I need help. But sometimes I don't know if we attach some of these things she's talking about, like temple attendance or wearing the garment appropriately. And, and we don't think I need power. So therefore I'm going to continue to do some of these other things. I don't know what it is for, you know, whoever's listening, but you know, for me, it really is prayer that I like, I need to say my morning and night prayers because that's where I need the help. I need to say my script, read my scriptures in the morning and the night, because that's where I get my help. And, and that's totally valid and real. Um, but I also think that sometimes, so I'm going to be totally honest since, since having a baby garments have not fit as comfortably as they used to fit. And we all know that process of when you begin to wear the garment, you've got to find the right set, you know, and then you kind of find what works for you. And and now that my body has changed, um, it's not working for me as easily as it used to. And and so there's some discomfort. And so there there is some genuine, like in my mind, some negativity toward how I feel some days. And I think that all those feelings are real. I think that those are real. But I need a why so that I don't inconvenience out of something as important as temple attendance, temple garments, those type of things. And so I don't know. I think sometimes I I associate help with some, with some very specific check marks and not recognizing that like, I need to be building this relationship with Jesus Christ in a lot of different ways. And, and I need help in a lot of different ways. And I'm not saying if I don't check all these boxes, I don't get help. That's not the message we want to send, right? The message isn't if you don't check every box, then you can't pray and ask for help. But the idea is that as I'm doing these things, I'm increasing this connection. So her quote is, the answer to these good and important questions is simple. It depends on what degree of relationship you want to experience with Jesus Christ. 
each of us will have to discover our own response to those deeply personal questions. And so that kind of segues into, you know, why do we need a why? Yeah. Okay, then what is my why? I think that's our second point to really talk about is what is it? What is going to motivate us through 15 different sets and sizes of garments? What's going to motivate us through um, a busy schedule and temple scheduling? You know, sometimes it's just prayer. I think it sounds simple, but prayer is not. It is not easy for me. And I do not always feel like I'm connecting with heaven. Yeah. You, you see all of the service. You see all of these acts of devotion through like a Latter-day Saint lens. And sometimes that lens comes off for me and I look around and I go, what the heck are we doing? You know, because it, it is so strange. But when, when you know what it's doing, when you're motivated by a why. So I don't know if we need to create mantras. I don't know if we need to write on our mirrors. I don't know what we need to do. But we all need to take time to articulate a statement of why. I want to play a clip, this clip from President Freeman as she states her why. Her why is gorgeous and well thought out. Let's not hold it as like, that's, this is the high bar, right? But I want you to hear what her why is. Here is mine. I walk this path as a beloved daughter of heavenly parents, divinely known and deeply trusted. As a child of the covenant, I am eligible to receive promised blessings. I have chosen to walk with the Lord. I have been called to stand as a witness of Christ. When the path feels overwhelming, I am strengthened with enabling grace. Each time I cross the threshold of his house, I experience deeper covenant relationship with him. I am sanctified with his spirit endowed with his power and set apart to build his kingdom. Through a process of daily repentance and weekly partaking of the sacrament, I am learning to become steadfast and to go about doing good. I walk this path with Jesus Christ, looking forward to the promised day when he will come again. Then I will be sealed his and lifted up as a holy daughter of God. This is why I walk the covenant path. This is why I cling to covenant promises. This is why I enter his covenant house. This is why I wear the holy garment as a constant reminder. Because I want, because to, I live want to live in a in committed, committed covenant, covenant relationship, relationship with him. With and I like him. that word live. Like I want to live, not just have a covenant relationship with him, but live in it. And I think sometimes maybe as Latter-day Saints, we're so like focused on the celestial kingdom and exaltation and the end goal that we forget that the covenants we make with Jesus are a daily thing. Like I'm not, I'm not making a covenant relationship necessarily today because of what I want in 5,000 years. I, it's because I'm living. It's, it's because I'm trying to get through mortality too. What is your why? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I'm thinking about that, you know, because I, I honestly tried to articulate it again. You're all going to make fun of me because you're like, well, not as cute as hers. But but this is this is mine. I cannot deny that God has led my life in ways that are bigger and better than I could have ever imagined for myself. That guidance, though foggy in the moment, looking back is clearly there. He was there for me, guiding me. And I want that forever. I want him to guide my life because it has led me to all of the best things. So why? Why am I going to do my calling? Why am I going to continue to attend the temple? I don't know. When am I, am I going to keep listening to general conference? Why am I going to teach my son? Even though the gospel is difficult and even though 
um, some of the requirements stretch us and, and, and sometimes, um, our questions are big and, and our struggles are even bigger. But I will teach my son about the gospel of Jesus Christ without a doubt, because I know that it has led me to bigger and better things than I ever, ever could have done for myself because I followed those promptings. And so I think that's why whys can be hard, especially for youth, because my why is motivated by my past. I did it and then I saw results. And so now that's what's motivating me forward. And I think sometimes with youth, it's really hard because we're saying, do it because then you're going to see the blessings. And, and remember that faith precedes the miracle. We have to act first. We have to get on the covenant path. We need to be making those covenants. We need to be trying to build that relationship so that we get some of these outcomes that I've seen in my life that are so beautiful that make me want it. And so maybe it's easier as we get older and to some degree to look back and say, these are some things that I have seen and that's what I want to keep wanting to her point. Where does she say in his own way, 38 years, 12 years or immediately as your trail will demand. So he, his sucker will be. Sometimes those blessings come in 38 years, 12, the 38, I was looking, I'm like, what's 38 years. She's referencing the man at the pool of Bethesda, 12 years. I know woman with the issue of blood. And then immediately Peter, when Jesus reaches down and immediately grabs Peter out. So we have all these examples, like sometimes it comes late, sometimes it comes tomorrow, but we've got to convince our youth and ourselves that those blessings will come or will keep coming. So how do we do that? How do you do that? Thankfully, I don't have a teenager yet. <laughs> I'm like, well, it was pretty easy. Um, no, I, I think this is where home-centered and church-supported, where it comes in really, really big. I think home-centered, church-supported doesn't you're you're not failing if you're not doing come follow me every Wednesday or every Sunday or whatever. I think the whole idea is show your kids that you believe what you preach. Show your kids through your life and through your service, through your testimony. And so I don't know. And that's where I I, I just joke about Louie because I, I come from a place of zero experience. But my experience with teenagers in in seminary and and youth at BYU, my experience tells me that they need to hear your raw personal experiences. They need to hear your struggles and they need to hear you coming out of those struggles. They need to see that you're real and that you persevered and that eventually answers or faith have come or that you are still on that path waiting. Catherine, I don't know. That's my best answer, but what would you say? How do we convince someone who is fresh in the gospel or or maybe struggling with their testimony or someone, a, a youth? How do we describe to someone who says, I don't know I don't know if this why is important enough to me or or good enough. I love what you said, Kaylin, that we have to show. And I'm just going to say this. For me, that has rarely been through come follow me moments, right? Like for us, it's- Planned, on, articulated. Yeah. Nope. It's in the car. Formal. It's after a football game. It's in the front room after- a, a friend has said something mean, or I am struggling, or I'm sick, or it's in the bedroom. It is all through the little moments. And I have really just found that I have to be real and I have to be honest. And we can never be scared of questions. We have to be able to cultivate places where we can question, where it's a safe place to question, where we talk about our questions with our kids where kids are safe to have have questions. And I strongly believe that if we truly believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ, if we truly believe in the enabling power of Jesus Christ, 
our homes and our wards and our churches have to be the safest place to make mistakes. I will tell you the number one thing I have practiced in my life is a poker face. There is no question. There is no concern. There is nothing that they have done that is so bad that the enabling power of the atonement of Jesus Christ can't help. And so I do not act surprised. I do not act shocked. I do not act disappointed because I know that we have a father in heaven who is not disappointed, who is not angry with us. And so if I, in those moments, can show room for questions and concerns and doubts that I can, I can express my doubts and my concerns and how I have found some answers and express confidence in their ability to receive answers. I think that's the key is we have to have, we have to believe what we say. We have to believe that God will answer them and express confidence that they can receive answers. And we say it confidently and then we run into our bedrooms and we kneel down and we go, please, 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 please answer their question. Please, 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 please. Right. Because we don't want to. Infused that, but we also recognize that sometimes it's 38 years, 12 years, or immediately. And so, but, but we want that for them. And we want that for and them. And how important that is to talk about. I am sure you have had answers or questions or concerns that you still don't have a resolution for, or you're still struggling to make peace with. And I do too. Yeah. And so that, I think that's part of our journey. That's part yeah. of our relationship, the covenant relationship. Is wherever we are on that path, Jesus will meet us and bring us into that relationship with him. Oh, this has been so fun. I want to talk about one more thing so quick before we get to our takeaway. But I I would invite you, if you have not seen her talk physically, you should all go look at this talk physically. Have you looked at her footnotes? It is insane. I, I I didn't write down the number. 37 footnotes in like a 10 minute talk. I am like in, in awe of that because of how, like, that's Jesus. Jesus footnotes every person, right? Every person matters to him. And every person that made that experience real gets credit for it. And I thought that was so impressive from President Freeman that she would feel so inclined to do that. And so I think that there's a couple of takeaways here. A, her personal connection, but then B, also like we need to know the promises. We need to know the promises in the scriptures and not just, you know, this is this is not some fluffy talk. This is doctrinally sound. We can rely on Jesus Christ. It is founded. It is repeated in scripture over and over. And, and she's she's telling us that these promises are sure. Well, let me ask you this as we get into this then. What is a promise blessing that as you've learned or studied that you hold on to? I can think of a couple like off the top of my head, but just reading the book of Revelation, like that Jesus will wipe away the tears from off all their faces. That's a promise that I cling to. The sorrows, I I, I struggled with infertility for years and, and we did a lot of IVF and horrible things that brought a beautiful blessing into our life. Um, but there's a scripture in John that talks about that the mother forgets the pain um, of birth once she has the baby, right? And uh, that that joy wipes away. And 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 that's a very literal thing for me, that, that having him has literally wiped away that. But Jesus in John is using it as a metaphor to say, 
the trials and tribulations that we have or the things that we're going through um, in the future, the joy that we have, we will look back and be grateful or, or forget maybe the pains and the sorrows that we currently had. And so those type of promises, I, those are maybe kind of the same promise, but but similar in the sense of I know that I've stuck it out and I can look back and be so grateful for the stretching experiences. And so I would say for me, those are the promises that say why I'm going to get through tomorrow, why I'm going to continue today, because I've seen that before and I trust that it will continue to happen for me. Catherine, how would you articulate what promises you hold to? That all things shall work together for their good. I cling to that. You know, I, I know that. I know I've seen that in the past, that trials that I thought would break me have, he has worked a wonder in my life and in the lives of those I love. That is why I want to live in a covenant relationship with him. That's like so beautifully said. So our takeaway today, our takeaway today is what is your why? And I really genuinely, again, mine, mine, mine was good for me. It was good for me to sit down and just honestly yeah. pen to paper say, why? Because I can ramble well. I'm a good <laughs> rambler. But like to actually put the words to paper was a beautiful experience. So would Kaylin, would that be your small and simple challenge for the week? You know, we like to end every conversation with a small and simple challenge. So would that be your small and simple challenge? Take a few minutes, pen to paper and write down again, don't be overwhelmed by her why. That's why I read mine because mine is considerably shorter than hers. It doesn't need to be long and lengthy and it doesn't need to be footnoted. What in your life motivates you to say, I am going to ignore the voices that are telling me that it is happier outside the church? Because I know from personal experience that the church has brought all of the good things in my life ever, ever. I cannot think of a single good thing I have in my life that is not because of a prompting that I followed or a commandment that I kept or whatever. And so, yep, that's the simple challenge. What is your why? And I am so excited to go to social media. I want, I want to hear from you. I just think that's such a profound way to really like pen to paper. I think we can hold on to that when times are hard or when heaven seems silent, hold on to our why. And I think that gets us through some of those dark rainy days because his promised blessings are sure. Thank you so much, Kaylin. Of course. 